Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside. I'm just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Um, I was looking for a good Jesus is risen, he is risen kind of little Easter Sunday thing to get us started. But all I got was uh, Jesus is risen above the heads of the Liverpool defence. All I could get. And it, it's not snappy enough because Liverpool went on to tie the game up. That yeah. was the goal to make it 2-0. So I've just abandoned the whole Easter Sunday thing. Okay. I will, I will leave all resurrection jokes to you. I don't think it's my place. <laughs> I don't know... Uh... I don't know what the, what the boundaries are in these oh, things. Oh, yeah, I, I got to be very careful. A guy, this is a few years ago now, got very upset with me when, remember the, the Liverpool players were, um, some of them were getting baptized. They were deep yeah, into this. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I made that joke. Imagine if I did that to you. Right. And I made it like during Passover. And it was two friends talking. I wasn't seriously going to force converse you or convert you or something. It was a joke. I forgot the days it was. This guy got so mad at me. Like, well, I got great. news for you. Yeah, we're right back in it. It's Passover currently, and you here. You are again making the <laughs> same old jokes. <laughs> Not making the same old jokes, but yeah, all, that's all I could have. Jesus is risen, risen above the heads of the Liverpool defense. But um, yeah, it's not. It's not good work. Not good work at all. Well, you tried, and that's really all. All I can ask. All anyone can ask. The effort. Uh, what an effort we're going to give on this podcast tonight. There's so much to talk about. This was another incredible weekend in the Premier League. We're going to talk about Liverpool Arsenal, of course. We're going to talk about Manchester City and an impressive effort in their 4-1 win over Southampton. Uh, Frank Lampard and the new manager bounce. Those two things uh, are not aligned, at least not yet. Um, although, does that matter? We'll talk about that. I got some good stuff on, on Frankie. Ooh. Oh, juicy stuff. And an email came right in on the buzzer. Uh, which I shall include. Nice. And then, JJ, before we get out of our Premier League discussion, um, we're going to do a little bit on Mallory Swanson and some uh, a couple MLS notes that I wanted to get to. But before we get out of the Premier League talk, uh, I do want to make sure, don't let me forget, don't you dare let me forget, I have one thing that I need to mention because I think it's been the great forgotten story of the second half of the Premier League season. Oh. It's a thing I I, I kind of saw something and I couldn't believe it. And I, it needs to be mentioned. It can't be forgotten. So, so you are putting upon me the remindership. Yeah, <sighs> I do have it in my notes. Um, but I'm gonna have to write this down because I can't be trusted. Don't let this podcast end without me discussing one of the great underrated stories of the Premier League season that no one is really talking about. That needs to be. It's time. It's okay. time. Uh, but let's get into the headliner from the weekend. What a, I mean. Just a fantastic game at Anfield. It ends 2-2 after Arsenal throw away a 2-0 lead. And, I mean, I don't know about you. I don't know about everybody out there who's listening right now. When Arsenal went up two goals in this game, I mean, I kind of had gotten to that place mentally of they've got their hand on the trophy. This was it. Like I think Peter Drury, I think he might have even said after Arsenal scored the second goal, something to the effect of, you know, Arsenal looking to clear one of the last great hurdles of this season. Like that was Mm. sort of, I think that's how a lot of people felt coming into this game. Just that if there was going to be a moment where Arsenal do stumble, 
If it doesn't happen now in a game like this against Liverpool in that stadium where Arsenal don't win, it's been since what, 2012 since they've won there. If they, if they are able to kind of exercise those demons and go there and win, then it would just start to feel like we're now dealing in formalities, regardless of how well Manchester City are playing. And they had it. They effing had it. And they kind of just let it go in that second half. Now, I've been reading in the aftermath of this game about people's opinions on what this means for the title race. Let me just say before we go any further, we don't know yet. Like, we genuinely don't know yet. I this, mean, it means a lot. I mean, it, what it means is if City win all their games, including beating Arsenal, they'll be champions. Right. We're in, the one only of those, way Arsenal we're in can, those rare moments where both teams control their own destiny now. Yeah. The, I mean, the only thing that will change that is that Arsenal would have to, if they if they win all their games to the end of the season, um, well, not even there because... If I both mean, te- if whoever wins out, I mean, look, that's a, I, neither will likely win out. Somebody's going to draw somewhere along the way, you would think. Mm. Although, I don't, we'll, we'll talk about City in a minute. Um, but that game on April 26th just feels like it's it's the championship will be decided on that day. It's, it's increasingly feeling more and more like that. But worrying for Arsenal supporters, if you believe in the in the kind of grim reality of, of the bookies' odds, is that... They've changed. They have now installed City as favorites. Five thirty-eight have City as favorites. Amazing. Yeah. Which I'm. I'm not sure. It's a six-point gap, and City. (laughs) It just goes to show this is this is the collateral that you build up when you win and win and win and win over the course of years. I know it was Southampton, but did you see City at the weekend? Like, yeah. They're in the zone, and and this is probably. This is probably the, the the time of year when they just rip off the wins and they make they make life so difficult for for whoever is challenging and usually it was Liverpool. It isn't this season. It's it's Arsenal. Um, but but I do think that we we like we should pull back, just discuss this game, which was glorious. Yeah, and probably park title implications just for a little while. Mm. Just, I I know you're. Making I can faces. I can only think in big pictures. I know you're you're a simple man. You you like to read the the children's books with the big letters. I get oh, that, yeah. but let's let's bring it back. Let's be a bit more uh, James Joyce about it for a second. This was I, the Premier League doesn't need advertisements. It's got too many. It, it, that that it doesn't need. Nobody needs to be told about. Are you watching the Premier League? Like it's it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. So we can. We can stop talking about oh, what a great advertisement for our league, but what a great game of football. I mean, you do like when all the hype and all the talk and all the advertisements, <laughs> as you say, are validated. And in games like this, you feel like it's it's some source of validation for why we all feel the way we do about this it, league. It was, it was absolutely glorious. And, and what you said was that Arsenal, like Arsenal were so dominant in that game and their ability to expose Liverpool's now glaring weaknesses. Like Liverpool are not... You you can bury that Liverpool defense as this kind of like it was for what it was never impenetrable, but you know what I mean. Like it was, it, there was a time where it was imperious, and it was hard to get through them. And that's all gone now. Forget about that. Forget about Virgil Van Dijk as the dominant centre back in the league. That's no, gone too. Yeah, he's not. But um, but Arsenal found ways they got through. Arsenal played some lovely football. If I told you in the first half with the things that Zinchenko was doing, that by the end of it, he would be crestfallen on the bench with his head in his hands after having his soul taken away by Trent Alexander-Arnold, you, you would have said no. 
No, yeah. No Different chance. game. You're confused. You You're have confused. Fever. What are you watching? But yeah. that that's how it was. It was the cliched game of two halves. So um, I have many observations here. Can I rattle through some and you you take them and run with them how, how you please? Sure, sure. I'm My sure friend... one of them will involve an elbow to the face oh. that, that was not administered by a player. I'm almost speechless with that entire sequence of events. Well, yes. We by the way, what a, what a unit that linesman is! What an absolute unit, Constantine. Constantine. He looks like a fella that should be in the corner of a UFC uh, match, like a trainer who's absolutely ripped and and ma- not ripped, huge, well, and is administering Vaseline to eyebrows. Yeah, one thing at a time, though. We will get to that one. Strictly game related stuff first. I wonder if you feel this way a little bit, JJ. The um, while we're speaking about elbows or unnecessary contact or whatever you want to call it, Granite Xhaka and his kind of coming together with Trent Alexander Arnold. Yes, I can't help but wonder. Just thinking about like where in the game that occurred, the moment mm-hmm. in which it occurred, can something like that light a fire under a team? Because I felt like that that might have done it. I I tend to agree with you there. It 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 riles Liverpool on the field. It riles the crowd. At that, you know, because at that point, did you see? There was no sign to me that Liverpool were making a comeback in this. No, game. no. And I was reading Football Three Six Five before the game because they do excellent, like a kind of a sixteen conclusions after the end of every major game, and it is worth reading. And they identified the same thing that you did. And they said that last season, when Arteta got wound up about something, Arsenal were doing very well in the game at Anfield, and then they collapsed and lost 4-0. And that there's a way maybe in Anfield that you can get the crowd suddenly exercised. And you just can't do that. And I would say, Xhaka has been, what would you say, for the last 18 months, mostly the epitome of, 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 of what it wasn't the Xhaka of old. This was the Xhaka of old, I thought. Yeah, I think he's been a really good leader. I think he's been mature on the field. I think he's been a, a good player for Arsenal. And this was a kind of a return to form, and it seemed to get everybody going. I, I would agree with that. Now, is it the is it the in the entire factor? Is it everything? No, it's not everything. No, I, I'm not putting the the draw on him, but I do think that he kind of lit a fire under the opposition that maybe wasn't there until that moment. But possibly so. And it was born purely out of frustration. I mean, what was it? Kanate, he thought fouled him along the side. Yeah. And he's just, you can see like a, like a, a switch goes off in his head and he sort of just loses himself and, the, and he's going to go after whoever is closest to him. And it happened, happened to be Trent. But when, again, I, I know. And there was like Paul Tierney had some interesting decisions during the game, but I, you, you can't lose your head like that. And I, no. I, I do think it, I do think it got everybody going. Yeah. Uh, I thought so too. All right. Um, also, I want to talk a little bit about Mo Salah, JJ. Now, I know he, uh, mi- he missed a penalty in this game, which is becoming a little bit of a point of concern with him after the Bournemouth miss. So crap. It was yeah. so bad. Like, Yeah. But, and like, it, I don't want to have a, a, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln moment, because that was obviously a, a huge moment in this game. But other than that, like, boy, he is, we talked about this um, last week on the pod how he was he's one of two players in Europe's top five leagues that have 20 plus goals 10 plus assists and how much it's flown under the radar and I don't I can't let that stuff fly under the radar any longer he scored in this game he really is having an excellent season and I thought his his fingerprints were all over this one it felt a little bit at times you know without 
it felt a little bit at times of watching Mo Salah of last year when he went through that patch of form when he was the best player in the world for several months. I I I think there was there was a lot of reaction that I got from Liverpool fans, fans that I know, where they didn't love his decision making today either. There was a couple of times where they felt he was selfish. There was a couple of shots into the side net. There was that one, that poke. Yeah, one. he tried to volley one that maybe he. I don't but, know, but, but this is this is kind of the criticism of his entire career at Liverpool. Yeah, I don't get I don't get too worked up about that. Um, yeah, I, I I would agree with you. Um, and it's just the, the penalty does overshadow it, Andrew, because once once Liverpool win that, and by the way, it was a penalty. I mean, there's just no argument. It yeah. was a penalty. Uh, and again, I don't understand players when when the attacking players they're back to the, to you and is moving away from goal in the penalty box, like. Don't go near them. Stay. Don't don't engage. Is anyone arguing that that was not a penalty? I saw a few arguments. Oh, there was an I'm Arsenal fan who uh, snuck his way into the Monroe and who was apoplectic with it. <laughs> yeah, and I just didn't understand it. By the way, there was, uh, an, an, an addition to this was Rob Holding is there. And um, Rob Holding is, he gave away the penalty, right? Mm-hmm. And I think he had, he's got his hair did in the yeah, way that yeah. I, I think he's had it. And he's let, I mean, why not go go for broke and let it grow out? And therefore, the what was mentioned on the pod, how he'd be your normality cloak if you too were to famous. be. A, I mean, with hair like that as well, you would never wear your hair like that. Way too famous. But anyway, no, I thought Salah. I thought Salah was a threat all the time, and um, and I, and I also think that an, another one of the the uh, I was going to say fading stars. That's not fair. He's on his way out. We're Bobby Firmino. Yeah. When he comes into the field, he is what I always said he was. He's the he's the rug from the Big Lebowski. He brings the room together. He brings everything together, not just the goal. <laughs> Generally, his his ability to to perform interplay on the edge of the box to to kind of win balls as well. To he's Liverpool are going to miss him so tremendously. He's irreplaceable. Mane was irreplaceable in his own way. Firmino will be too. Um, and he came into the game. I thought I thought he was excellent as well. What's your next point? Uh, another observation I had from this one. You already referenced it when you said he took his soul. Trent Alexander Arnold. What more can you say about about that equalizing goal? Like he's, the move he, to get past Zinchenko, the ball to Firmino. It's just all so world class stuff. And you know, sometimes um, we harp on the shortcomings of this player. And rightfully so. I mean, he's not a very he's not a good defender. But when he does stuff like that, I think he he reminds you why it's all worth it. And I saw Gary Neville, I think it was, talking about how Trent needs to stop thinking about midfield and start focusing on defense. I, maybe that's true, but I don't I I don't know. He's so gifted in some ways that I would I worry about kind of sucking that part out of him and changing the sort of player he is, and then suddenly losing what it is that makes him this this threat in attack and I wonder if you have a more mobile a midfield unit that can cover him in the way it used to before before they got older when it was the old genie when Alden and Henderson midfield maybe yeah maybe that's what needs to be done and and he did play midfield for a lot of this game don't forget like when you see the heat map and his average positions that he took up I'd say it'd be equally distributed between an orthodox right back position and also a central midfield position you're asking him to do two things and I don't think he's capable unless someone else can can chip in and help him do the first part which is defending but yeah you're right 
the, the piece of skill to do Zinchenko, then the delivery, it's just absolutely gorgeous. But you can't deny that in the first half, he looked troubled. Let's put it that way. Sure. Now, yeah. I, I want to say on the, on the second, um, if you want a, a goal that sums up everything that's wrong with, with this Liverpool, as opposed to the, the better Liverpool sides, the better iterations under Klopp, is that second goal. There's only one man pressuring bo- uh, the ball in midfield. And that's, um, who was it? Oh, I'm trying to think who it is. I can't remember. There's only, anyway, it doesn't really matter. There's only one Liverpool player pressuring the ball. The ball is moved through the midfield and then down the line with such ease. You're like, this is not the Liverpool we used to know. Now, it's a great Arsenal goal. It's a great finish, great header, the whole thing. But if you want exhibit A in the testimony against Jurgen Klopp's 22-23 Liverpool, that's it right there. Do you ever have somebody in your years playing soccer do something like that to you? What uh, Trent did to Zinchenko? Oh yeah. Oh, how do you, how do you handle it? Do you? Have, oh well, you want to hide, but you can't. Usually, what you do is, like, you see, the thing with that one is there's no recovery. So I played a game two weeks ago in Manhattan, and we're up in the like it's the I'm we're on the attack and it's the right fullback position and this guy flicks a ball over my head like I, I commit too much and he spins and goes off down the field and then pride kicks in you're like I can't have this happen so I sprint after him and thankfully one of our defenders holds him up a bit and I get to shoulder the bo- shoulder him off the ball and take the ball again that that and I, I'm by the way I'm absolutely ghost for for the rest of the game I went off after like five minutes from just doing that sprint yeah. But but the thing with a nutmeg like that when you're flat footed like Zinchenko was, there's no coming back. There's no way to save it. If that's late, if that's earlier in the game and he does that, you kick them in the air. Uh-huh. That's all you can do. That's yeah. your revenge. And the fact that it immediately led to a goal. Oh, it, like there it, was no letting off. Oh no, there's that changes the context completely. It's over yeah. after that happens. Um JJ, another observation. Aaron Ramsdale. Spectacular. I uh, think that if we're looking at Arsenal as title winners at the end of the season, the save from Salah, the deflected save from Salah and the save from Kanate are about as crucial a save as you'll ever see. And and the first one that I mentioned there from Salah is probably one of the saves of the season. Outstanding. Took a deflection also, which he had to judge in midair. Had to kind of readjust in air. It's clearly headed for the top corner. I mean, it just looks perfect. The angle, the camera angle is just like brilliant. You can just like witness all of this playing out. And the Kanate one, I, I mean, it's one where you, I'm just sitting there thinking, how does he not score? Well, uh, he didn't. He couldn't. He couldn't figure out which part of his body to score with. Which he was, tries to chest it in. Yeah, the chest isn't. It's hard to propel anything with the chest, Andrew. Yeah, you're never going to get maximum velocity there. No, you're not. Especially if he found a way to, to stab it with his knee, it would have been better. But, Definitely. Uh, it's still, I mean, the XG on that goal is, is enormous. <laughs> and he, he doesn't score. Uh, it was a great, amazing save. Ramsdale, again, I don't want to get into a conversation on it, but I would like to mention it. Like, what's Ramsdale doing that hasn't... What, what's, what part of his game doesn't he have that Pickford has, apart from Pickford's played more games for Gareth Southgate. Yeah, great point. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It must. I mean, I think Southgate is just such a big trust guy 
Right, and, but because Pickford has been through the right. wars and has just and, and for what it's worth, taking out domestic form for a sec, in terms of performance for the national team, Pickford, he's never let him down. He has not done anything to say that he shouldn't be the guy. No, um, but you're right. You come back and you watch some of these performances, and you saw what Ramsdale did today in the midst of a title chase, and you think, how's he not England's number one? How's he behind Jordan Pickford, who we all kind of view as he's fine. He's not bad. He's not the best keeper in the league. He's fine. But yeah, you, you forget that Pickford for England, he puts on that shirt and he does things that that are fantastic. So I I do I wouldn't get on Southgate too much for that, I suppose. I, I mentioned XG and Kanate, and I just want to read these two ones off before I before we uh, talk about something else. But um, Liverpool created 1.85 more today against Arsenal than they did in the 7-0 against Man United. And just the XG for today was 4.76 for Liverpool, two oh. goals scored, 1.81, two goals scored for, for Arsenal. Almost an XG of five. Do they have the Kanate one? Now, that there's a penalty in there, and there's also the Kanate chance. I wonder what that is by itself. I don't know if they have if they have the specifics on on what that chance alone must have been. I grabbed this quickly from the internet, so I yeah. I didn't see a breakdown. But I mean, those those two chances there will get you big numbers uh, for and sure. They and they didn't convert either of them. But so. Liverpool, let's be fair, as as poor as they were in the first half, they were kind of really good in the second. Absolutely. I mean, Darwin Nunez had a chance. He's one on one with the keeper. I thought he might have taken one touch too many. Oh. Um, but Not that was that an, another brilliant save by Ramsdale to cut down the angle. So, you know, raced out on it. I, I, I was such a nice move, such a lovely ball by the aforementioned Salah into his yeah. path. You know, a little swiveled pass. I'm big. As much as people like Nunez and and um, Liverpool fans are, let me tell you, they're desperate for him to be really, really good. Uh-huh. He's not going to be the the top level. Uh, striker that we hope we hope him to be. It's not happening from what I've seen. That's like, it, huh? Those touches, those touches are crucial. Yeah. T- t- put Salah in his position over the past four years. Put Mane in his position over the past four years. Put goal, Bobby a goal him. happens there. Goal happens. Yeah, and he, he's um, he's he's fine, and he'll be streaky. He'll he might go on a run where he scores six goals in seven games or something like that. But he's he's not polished. He's just not polished. I am absolutely not ready to jump to the conclusion that you just jumped to. I'm 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 not there. I don't know. Form And I form, actually I will reference that later in this podcast. How about that? It's techni- it's technically I don't think he's good enough. There's another player in another league that I want to compare to Nunez in a way that will possibly be favorable to Nunez's future. All right. But that's that's for later in the show. Um are we getting to Elbowgate? Andy Robertson, Constantine Hatsidakis. Yep. So it's halftime. Uh and then all of a sudden a, a huge what's the word you use furore furore yeah has broken out um and then still like shots yeah yeah i do actually um still shots are released and fr- frames of video clips magnified about videos I'm, it's pretty clear from one from a few video angles what happens and so yes you then see what all the furore is about and it is the assistant referee clearly elbowing Andy Robertson in the face. There's no mystery here. Now, the only question I guess I would have is, is there any new information that could come to light that would in some way make you believe this guy should work again this season? Um, Is that too harsh like, of, a, of a baseline stance to take? Well, here, here's where... Well, he, you can't, 
Like he at, at best he's forearm hitting a, a player. Like now, I, I I would like to know. I don't know that it will change my opinion. Mm. I would like to know what Robertson said to him that prompted that to happen. And Robertson did put his hand on his arm. From from what from some of the reports I've read from some of the video I've seen, but like not in a like it doesn't necessitate that kind of reaction. No, it doesn't. However, if you combine touching arm with. Robertson saying something vile there, which again I don't know what he said. Well, we don't he didn't that. say he didn't say how's your day going. You know, clearly he said something that would ruffle feathers. Um, Roy Keane, Roy Keane's view that it was was I mean in typical Keane fashion was that well he touched the he touched the assistant first, so like almost what the assistant did afterwards was somehow justified, which I don't believe, um, and. <laughs> And he was saying he, he called Robertson a big baby and needs to focus on his defending. <laughs> so there was that. Uh, but, wow. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, for me, it looked. Uh, I think a referee, I mean, look, aside from their primary job being to call the game, I think one of their other jobs is to remain, to be a source of calm, to not inflame situations and you know regardless of what is being thrown at them or the situation that they've been put in if robertson yeah i think you're right looking at it again he do, he does make contact with him i don't know that i would say that it's threatening and so with that being no. the case i would say that constantine hatsadakis does inflame the situation and in can a I way just that, say bef- that that did not fit i think what was happening to him correct and i, I just before we get the flurry of emails like i'm there's stuff going on up and down football like in terms of referees being surrounded, bad behavior, like almost leaking off the TV onto youth soccer fields all over like England, Ireland, go where you want, even including the United States. I'm not saying that the attitude towards refereeing and officials is not, is not bad at this time. I think it is bad and things need to be done, but you know, this can be a different thing. I think that was a complete overreaction by the assistant referee and he's hit him with his forearm into the throat, according to Robertson's comments afterwards. So that's not okay. It will be dealt with. I don't want to see anyone lose their job. I don't. That's, no, I just think he'll be suspended. It, it wouldn't surprise me if he's suspended and for the remainder of the season. And he's a top official as well. He's been. In, he's done games in the Champions League. He's he's got a very good reputation, and um, I just think he 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 saw red there, and he was wrong. Uh, yeah, r- wrong tack like that. You just can't escalate a confrontation if you're a referee uh, for however much you might want to do it, however much you might think you're justified in doing it. And I don't know. Again, I don't think he was, uh, regardless of what Roy Keane thinks on the situation. I don't think that he was justified well, in, in that action. Uh, Roy Keane Roy Keane often uses incidents unrelated to, 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 to use as a jumping off point for, for verbally two-footing someone else. Like he went from that to what has that got to do with Andy Robinson's defending? Even if he's the worst right. player. It has nothing got to do with anything. Even if he was there because he won a competition, it's irrelevant. You can't go around forearming or elbowing someone into the throat. Now, if he had said for Andy Robertson to work, he should be more aware about his finishing. Then I might agree. Oh, Boy, he's Lord. just he, he's uh, what a great run! What a great setup! I had no confidence. Yeah, I saw everybody in the bar that put their hands on their heads. I'm like, have you ever watched this guy? <laughs> There's not a danger he's scoring that. <laughs> no. no. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what the uh, what the punishment winds up being. I'll be very curious about that. Um, 
because this has all just been in the news between from the Mitrovich incident and now yeah. through this. I'll just be curious to see how this is handled. Uh, but like we said at the start of all this, so the gap now between Arsenal and Manchester City is six. Manchester City have a game at hand and they play one another. Um, and like we said, both teams control their own destiny right right now, which you almost never see with a six-point gap. But that is the case. And City win all their games, they will be champions. City, yes. And that the is the grim reality. And the same would be said of Arsenal as well. Um, Arsenal have eight remaining, City have nine, and Manchester City 4-1 over the weekend against Southampton. Um, not brilliant. Like, in the end, you'll look at it and say brilliant performance. The first 45 minutes or so... It was blah enough. I mean, yeah, they were good. They had a lot of the ball. Yeah, which they always will, especially against an opponent like that. But Southampton had chances too, um, where they could have gotten on the scoreboard first, but they just don't have that cutting edge um, to to finish off some of those opportunities. And then once the dam broke, I mean, this was just Manchester City in all its glory. And yeah, I, I was thinking about something, JJ. I feel like in different different eras of the Premier League, you get different triumvirates different threesomes that sort of kind of define the attacking era of the sport. And I wonder, you know, for a while, I think Liverpool had it with the aforementioned Salah, Mane, Firmino. I think that, you know, I think those three, um, you could go back with any, we can go through the list if we want, but I think I'm starting to wonder, and I don't know how long this can sustain because of De Bruyne's advancing age, but what we're seeing right now with this De Bruyne, Grealish, Holland attack this is watching those three bombing forward is I think right now the scariest sight that you can have in this sport. The, the, those three guys were incredible in this game. Holland scoring twice, Grealish with a goal and an assist. De Bruyne set, won the penalty, set up Grealish's goal. I mean, these three guys right now are just so locked in and it took a little while, especially for De Bruyne. His season was a little bit slow developing. It had peaks and valleys, especially around the World Cup, but he's hit form. Grealish has hit form. Holland has now hit 30 goals. He's been brilliant all season. Those three guys, man, they just they they've got to terrify you more than anyone else on that team. Um, I saw some people tweet that uh actually one person, I can't remember who it was, but they were saying, look what Holland does with a not great cross from Grealish. I actually disagree. I think when Grealish is doing that, he goes, I'm gonna I'm gonna flick this up so he can do exactly that. <laughs> I honestly believe that. I don't know if Grealish. I mean, look, I don't think it's a not great. It was fine. It's it's a good enough cross. I think he's I don't know. If Grealish, I don't know if Grealish him... drew it up like that. Let me put this up there so this guy can kind of volley, Why half you? volley, half bicycle it uh, into the back of the net. Why don't you? You think I? Well, it's I don't hard think to for... assume that anyone can pull that off. To, to to just if you put it right there, and it's it's not the hardest thing to do in the world. Just clip it up there. Don't be overly accurate. Don't try and put it on his head. Just clip it. To the to the right of him as 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 Grealish is advancing, I I well believe it. Goal of the season contender has to yeah. be. Yeah, I I think there's a goal we'll talk about later on that's better than it, or that I like more than it. Oh, but but that's right up there. That's that. Yeah, Emmy Buendia's right. <laughs> no, no, no. There's a goal later on oh. from this weekend oh, that, that's so, in the running. Oh no. So Buendia, he's been left in the dust. No, still love that goal, and okay. I will, I will fight to the death over any Buendia's goal. It's such it's a, the most ordinary goal of the season. Oh my god, ah. you don't understand how good that fake is. That little turn, it's so simple yet so sexual. You don't, you just don't get it. You don't understand it, Andrew. And um, this is peak JJ. I'm smarter than you. No, it's not. You just this is the peak. I don't know. It's it's. It's like someone trying to explain the soup cans. There we go. By by um, Andy Warhol, you know, 
I don't get it, but there's some brilliance in it. And I guess this is soup cans for me. All right. Well, fair enough. Um, I don't have much left to say on City. I mean, this was they're they're just in one of those moments now where it's it's hard to envision them dropping points. They go through these stretches. It feels like that's a ridiculous thing to say. Oh, nine games left. If they win all nine, they're champions. With any other team, you, like I said earlier, they're probably going to draw at some point somewhere along the way. But I kind of caught myself saying it because they may, they very well may not. It's not like we've seen it before. So I don't know. If you're Arsenal right now, again, like I said, April 26th, it's a Wednesday. Don't know that I love a that Arsenal-Manchester City match at the Etihad. Don't know that I love that being a midweek game. Kind of would have enjoyed that on a weekend where you could really settle in, don't have to worry about work or anything like that. But so be it, April 26th. That is, if you weren't sure when it was, circle your calendars right now because that is, uh, the way it feels right now, it feels like that's a title decider right there. Uh, speaking of deciders, I need you, I need you to decide between uh, Stellini or Dejerby. Um, okay, let's get into that. Tottenham and Brighton, they they play out a pretty thrilling, Good feisty, game. dramatic, controversial, uh, 2-1 win. Massively, massively important game for Tottenham. They just It just felt like they needed this so much, especially against that opponent. Uh, before we even get to the Deserby-Stellini thing, let's, uh, I won't beat around the bush. Tottenham, lucky. Oh, come on. Absolutely lucky. Good Lord. Unbelievably lucky. Stolini himself basically said it afterwards. He said we were very fortunate with VAR. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that is quite an understatement. The Matoma incident with Hoiberg, like, throw VAR into the North Sea. Just throw it into the sea if if you're not going to use it for that. I don't know what happened there. I don't know. I I can't explain it for the life of me. I can't understand how anyone would look at that. Robbery. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't. I don't understand how you look at that and don't see an obvious penalty. He had his foot stepped on. Like, <laughs> what's he supposed to do? Um, unbelievable. And yeah. would have capped off. You know, Pierre Hoybier had such a. He's he's become. You know how every team when they go through a bad moment, the fans they kind of find someone. You. Yeah. You're the, You are our. I am you going are... to make to the the face of this frustration. Him and Eric Dyer are the two that are kind of sharing it. Um, and boy, Hoybier, he just had, he's giving the ball away so much now. I wonder if Bentoncourt being out, more responsibility being shifted to Hoybier, and he just can't do it. Almost gave away the goal when Casado took it right off him, rang one off the post. Hoybier should have given up the penalty. Uh, but then he comes back and sets up Kane's winner, so he he makes you crazy. Um, but yeah, Tottenham, the, the other two VAR decisions, uh, Maybe they were a little fortunate with the Matoma handball. I do think it was right, but it was very close. The other handball decision against Welbeck, um, I think, was correct um, off the what would have been the McAllister goal. But those are three huge decisions for Tottenham that go their way, um, and so that's that's one that you remember. You say all the time, bad decisions, good decisions. In the end, it evens out. Well, this 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 was a game that you remember in terms of all that evening out because they were. Boy, were they lucky. Son gets his 100th goal in this game on Brilliant a goal. classic Son curler from outside the box. He need, Another guy who needed that. Um, but now, JJ, let's just get to it. Uh, you know, so, over, the, over the course of great Premier League managerial rivalries, Wenger, Mourinho, uh, <laughs> Conte, Tuchel, I think, really stood out this year with the handshake. Stellini De Zerbi, JJ. Yeah, a- amazing, really, because... This one started before the game. So both managers and their technical staff emerge 
into the Tottenham Arena, the Tottenham Stadium Arena, and immediately Dejerby, what would usually be the customary handshake, Dejerby comes over and berates his opposite number, Stellini, like an Italian farmer on a mountaintop arguing over grazing land for his goats. Wow. Because Stellini is expecting the handshake. He does not get it. He gets a wagging finger and a load of abuse, and he's stunned. He's taken back, and he doesn't return fire. So he doesn't know where this is coming from. And it continues then in the game um, where, I mean, the excuse coming from Brighton was that they they felt as if the Tottenham bench was trying to influence the referee. What bench doesn't try and influence the oh, referee? I, Let's yeah. be honest. So this really is overspill. Frustrations from the game coagulating with what happened beforehand. And they get into it again. And Stellini is the stoic farmer who will not discuss where his goats have wandered. Will not discuss the wandering of the goats. Yeah. Um, whereas Dujerbi wants to engage him. And Stellini still gets a red card, which I think will be rescinded because he, he doesn't do anything. What any. the hell was that? He he went he went out of his way to make sure he was not involved. If anything, when I was watching it, can I be honest with you for a sec? As, as I was watching that, I was like, this is kind of pathetic. Like, your entire backroom staff is at war right now like you're the leader get in there no like what are you doing stoic farmer andrew stoic farmer and but so then he, he gets he, red carded anyway if you're gonna get ga- the red earn it he's gazing off into the middle distance making sure his flock are all right he's pretending that nothing's going on around him la di da di da you gotta i don't know i didn't uh, you gotta didn't get in it. there you gotta get in there i think now after the game especially after what happened before the game this guy disrespecting you on television like that in front of the state, in front of your home fans? No. Hey, it would have been amazing if he'd gone full Tony Soprano. Stellini just wades through the crowd, grabs Stellini, uh, or grabs Dejerby, you know, picks him up because he's a smaller guy than him, picks him up by the lapels and goes, You don't love me? Well, you don't love me. That breaks my heart. But you don't got to love me, but you will respect me. <laughs> I would have loved that. But now, it didn't happen. Here, so after the match, we do have Dejerby's comments. About because I think everyone was, Stellini included. I think everyone was really confused. the The broadcast picked it up. The announcers were clearly confused. Um, no one knew what this was about. Uh, after the match, Deserbi did speak on it. Here is some of uh, some of what he said. Was it something that he said in his press conference? No, no. I always uh, respect everyone, especially the coaches. And I can't answer. I can. I can answer for me, not for him. So you feel he didn't respect you? Doesn't respect you? Hai la sensazione quindi che sia stato lui a non rispettare te? Yes. You do. Why? What? What? Yes, uh, it's a personal situation, and I, I told him what was my opinion, my idea. Not bad uh, words, not nothing, only my opinion. Okay, so that unto itself is not entirely clear. He references being disrespected. I don't do this. So Sky Sports went back and they identified what they think are the comments made by Stellini during the week that Deserby took as disrespect. Now, I'm going to read them to you. Okay. And you 
simply tell me yes or no, is this disrespectful to Deserby? Stellini said, in talking about Brighton, they came from a good manager with Graham Potter for a long time. I think Roberto Deserby had found a good solution to play with this style because with Potter, the players know themselves very well. This is a great opportunity because when players play for a long time with each other, it is easier. I mean, he's construed that. I don't think it's terrible, but he, he is giving... He's What he's saying is, maybe ham-fistedly, is saying that uh, this group had been together under Potter and so it's easier to come in and, and, and do well with them. Basically is what he's saying. Now, Deserby, if you talk or if you listen to some of the football heads um, and read some of the stuff that's been written, like they think that Deserby is doing stuff that Potter never did. Never did. Like he's completely put a stamp on this team and that they're doing like kind of remarkable stuff. Um, and And okay. So, so Desherby wants credit from everyone, I guess, and Stellini wasn't was was kind of giving it. I don't know. It's not enough for that reaction for me. Definitely not enough. But um, but we're learning more about Desherby. Desherby really wants to be kind of um, those who want respect, give respect. I think for someone to react that way after those comments is a sign of insecurity. Mm. That's my read. I mean, those comments are harmless. Those comments are entirely harmless and benign to me. Don't forget, there's 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 translation here. If you listen to either of those men talk, uh, they they don't sound um, particularly like English. Clearly, not their first language. That's true. Clearly, learning so stuff can get lost in translation, and maybe so that, that is possible. It and... is as well. Don't forget. Um, but Both I'm only I'm just going off of what the comments were. I I can't interpret what they're interpreting. I can Both only the, I can only interpret it myself. Both Italians in a foreign country. Yeah. You know, it, it nothing hurts worse than to get um to get kind of disrespected or to be perceived to be disrespected by some of your own. Maybe that's a part of it. You know, two paisans going after it. Maybe maybe to him that makes it hurt more. I don't know what he's looking for here other than, you know, you need to, I mean, it feels to me that this this screams of somebody basically telling us you need to identify my genius. Anything short of that is disrespect. Mm. I, I hear what you're saying. I, 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 I they had a good manager. Deserby has come in and found a good solution to play with this style. Because Potter, the players, they know themselves well. The player, it's true. The players had been there for a while. They do know each other. They were good before. He's come in. He's made them better. Like right. that's that's what Stellini is saying. Like, and and you're right. He he wants Stellini. Uh, Dejerbi wants an acknowledgement of of the particular things he's done to make them. Jesus, yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh my God, to react that way. Give me a break. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I, Look, I, he's I, a, he's a great man. Like. I, I'm not taking anything away from him. He very well might be a genius. And by the way, if 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 Tottenham's season ends with Stellini out and Deserby as their manager, I guess he would have the last laugh. And I think a lot of Tottenham fans would probably be happy about it, myself included. I'd be happy to have that guy as my manager. I want I'm just talking about this isolated incident. He seems a little bit insecure to me to, to react that way off yeah, of a harmless comment. I don't know. Anyway, that's not, maybe, that my, that. maybe my skin has thickened too much uh, over the years working on this podcast. I have told you, you need to moisturize much, much more. 
Uh, I could look, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Uh, maybe I have my Tottenham underpants on. I don't know. I just didn't. Uh, when I saw the comment, I I thought I was look. I was waiting for something egregious. And I read that and I, I was kind of disappointed. That's it. I don't know. Yeah. That's just how I felt. Um, JJ, before we get to um, I, I know you have some thoughts on Frank Lampard, but I, I will always <laughs> I will for a preview of your duties of reminding me about the great underrated story from this Premier League season that is not being talked about because I have remembered it and I'm going to talk about it right now. JJ, can we talk for a sec about what's going on at Aston Villa? So oh, after, please. after the game today, or after Tottenham and Brighton, and then after Liverpool and Arsenal, I kind of, as one does, who follows this league, as we do, uh, went to take a look at the table and just, okay, let's see, where where is Brighton now? What does this draw? What did it do to Liverpool if they've got any outside chance still at top four? Where, where is Tottenham now? Um, and as I'm going through, the one name that sort of registered the most beyond all the others was the club sitting sixth Mm -hmm. Aston Villa JJ Aston Villa we have spent so much of the season heaping love and praise rightfully so on the likes of Brighton and Brentford and Fulham and Villa have passed them all without nary a peep from anyone they haven't lost since February 18th against Arsenal since then, they've beaten Everton and Palace, then they drew with West Ham, and then they get right back at it, beating Bournemouth, Chelsea, Leicester, and Forrest. Unai Emery, major prisoner of the moment alert, major recency bias alert. I'm The, the alarm bells are ringing. JJ, very quietly, he's he is among the elite managers in this sport. He just is, and he doesn't get the credit for it because people think that his time at Arsenal was embarrassing. But yeah. I and I'll read something in a sec that will maybe throw a little cold water on that. But if you look at all of his Europa League successes at Sevilla, a Champions League semifinal with Villarreal, now you look at what he's done with Villa, a team that felt like they were probably more of a, re- a relegation candidate than they were a candidate to to qualify for European competition. And then going back to the Arsenal thing, this was in the Mirror. I think Rob Moxley, I think, was the journalist, wrote this about uh, Unai Emery. He took it even further. He said, even looking at it now in the cold light of day and, of course, with the benefit of 2020 vision, was his time at Arsenal so bad? A fifth-place finish and a Europa League final defeat to Chelsea in the aftermath of Arsene Wenger's generational stay was a better return than David Moyes managed after taking over from Sir Alex Ferguson and Old Trafford with a similar dynasty that ended. I mean, I think because Arsenal were coming out of a place where we thought highly of them and then Emery came in and it just didn't go great— uh, we kind of looked at him as as almost a joke. His press conferences, whatever you want to attribute it to, but like it got worse. Like I don't know who, I don't know what manager in hindsight would have come in and maybe turned Arsenal into something better in that moment. That was an impossible job. Wenger left for a reason. It was you know he he it was all going wrong there. Uh, this guy, what what he's doing right now at Aston Villa, it's incredible stuff. They're sixth. They're sixth. I look. Absolutely. I will say at the weekend, I mean, if you're going to have John Joe Shelby in such such generous form, literally assisting you from in the, inside the six yard box with a pass, then then fair enough. Um, but no, they've been they've been really, really good. But like. If you look at their the, the team they have out, you know, there's. the decent side. They've got one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Um, like they had, I suppose, the midfield, Douglas Louise, Emmy Bundia, McGinn. Uh, Ramsey, then Leon Bailey, Ali Watkins up front. He's 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 doing a great job, but they they've got better players than their league position would have suggested. 
Um, now, whether you can argue they have They're six... ahead of Liverpool and Chelsea. Yeah, well, I know, but you have to factor in. It's not just that they've, they're they ahead of them based on, on just Aston Villa's form. There's those two teams' mid-season implosions that we have to factor in too. But um, no, he's done, a, he's done an excellent job there. And like there was a feeling with them under Gerrard and even that they were a bit basket casey because they'd spent such a lot of money and they were really just hard to watch, weren't a good side. Like under Gerrard, they were pretty awful. Um, and Emery's come in and, and steadied things and made them much more durable, much more, much more dangerous, really. Six places is phenomenal, really. And I, I guess... I I don't know why it is we don't talk about them so much because they're like they really are a pretty big club. Yeah. Um, but they've got a nice little run now of games. They've got Newcastle at home, Brentford away, Fulham at home, and then they welcome Manchester. They go to Manchester United. But that little run there, it's they tough. Re- That's hard. That's not not an easy patch there. No, but I could you could see them beat Brentford. You could see them turn Fulham. Fulham are struggling right now. You could see yeah. them turn Fulham over. Newcastle at home. Why Why couldn't they do a job in Newcastle at home? I don't know. I think Villa fans are feeling much more optimistic about themselves than they ever did um, in the Premier League. Ah, sixth. They haven't... They're on course for their highest finish since like 2010, which was, I think, Martin O'Neill's last season. Incredible. Really, really yeah. great job. And it just feels like it's kind of snuck up on everyone with all the other good stories that were circulating out there. And I think Villa were kind of written off in some ways. And I, again, I think some of it is Emery. They're just like, for whatever reason, people in this league associate him with, with a negative moment for Arsenal and press conferences that they found amusing. Yeah. Well, uh, I think it's was, not fair. There was disrespect there. Um, before we get on to Frank Lampard, Andrew, mm-hmm. assuming you finished with Unai Emery, uh-huh, I am. uh, just what a massive win for Bournemouth uh, at the weekend to, to beat Leicester and like wins are so important now at this point in the season. Like, so that rockets them. I say rocket, it gets them up to 15th um, and billing again with a goal for Bournemouth. He's turned into a huge player for them. Um, so like, well done there. And also I should mention David Moyes. Every time we think it's over, he, he has his, he can't keep getting away with this breaking bad moment. Where he he wins again and and um, the win over I know Fulham aren't in, in super form but the win over Fulham is just like just like so significant and, or could be so significant for West Ham in this relegation battle. Yeah. But anyways, they're fourteenth now. <laughs> the congestion, the congestion so is is massive. Although I will say Southampton are now some of that congestion is starting to to part a little. I mean Southampton, I it's, Southampton looking, are, it's looking more and more clear that they will not be escaping this. They're beginning to be cut adrift, as they say. Um, yeah. So Frank Lampard's second stint, or third stint really at Chelsea, if you include his playing time. Um, yeah, return. he comes back in a defeat to Wolves at Molyneux. Um, we're talking about goal of the season. Mateus Nunez, Andrew. So the ball's crossed in from the left. It's flicked on. It's a clearing header. It pops up on the right-hand side of the box, and it's just a volley, a thunderous volley. Absolutely smashed beyond Kepa uh, into the top corner. It, it's definitely, it's going to be in the in, on the shortlist for goal of the season. Fantastic. Um, and so that's it. I mean, mo- there's really nothing to say about this game from a Chelsea perspective, except to say they looked exactly the same as they've looked all season. One shot on target yeah, against a team that's been in the bottom half of the table all season. It's not very, very good. 
Um, now there's there's two little uh... <laughs> real quick though al- along those lines of the one shot on target. I th- Jonathan Wilson had a funny comment in the uh, the Guardian about it. He said, at least under Potter and Bruno Saltor, they were creating chances to miss. Chelsea right. here had one shot on target and rarely looked like adding to the 29 league goals they have scored this season. By the way, Jonathan, he points out it's been 99 years since they last scored as few after 30 games of a campaign. And the idea, the notion that Frank Lampard is the guy to come in and, and even in the medium term remedy this is so mental. I can't even... and. The uh, before, but also the idea that the most expensive side assembled would be the one who would be the team to do this. Well, is it mental that the that the the floppy haired American billionaire who wouldn't know if a soccer ball was pumped or stuffed would come up with a with a constellation of expensive players that can't do this? Is that crazy? I don't think it is. He was directed twenty nine goals though after thirty games. I don't care. He was. You think they would at least accidentally come across more than that? Fair. I will agree with that accidentally. But this guy was the de facto um, director of football for how long? And he doesn't know anything about it. Now, I don't want to say that I believe all rumors, but there, I, I kind of also do believe all rumors. And I JJ, know, I, I don't know if you saw You've this. got a worldy, an absolute worldy here. There's a rumor that I saw. I think it was, now again, the source matters. I believe well, it was the Sun. Well, uh, we don't. Initially reported we, we don't. We don't mention them, but we'll say that a... a a rag okay. had a rumor, and it was distributed then by the Mirror and a couple of other newspapers. Which the rumor, said, the rumor being that Todd Bowley, <laughs> I will give him the benefit of the doubt and say, <laughs> among others, consulted with. That's right, JJ James Corden. Oh Jesus, Marion! About Dawson. the appointment of Frank Lampard. So apparently, Corden, uh, Corden is on an insufferable show on Sky. Um, which is which? I mean, everything about Corden on TV is insufferable, which we'll get to in a second. Oh, well, you but, have uh, more on that? No, no, no. I've, I've, I've questions. Okay. Um, and so, so Corden has befriended uh, Jamie Redknapp, who obviously has his cousin, first cousin of Frank Lampard, has links to Chelsea, etc. So uh, apparently, uh, he's come into the the orbit of the Todd Meister, and the Todd Meister gave. Uh, asked Corden for for his opinion on who to bring back as manager of of Chelsea Chelsea interim manager of Chelsea Football Club. I'd like but, to believe more more of this is being made out of than whatever it actually is. I I, I would believe that is the case. But the I mean, let's just go with it because it's it's in 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 the world of Todd's chaotic reign so far at Chelsea. It um it kind of tracks. By the way, Corden, <laughs> can we talk about Corden? I have nothing to say. I've literally this might be a weird comment. I swear to you, uh, I have literally not seen his show. Obviously, I know who he is. I I kind of know like his act a little, but I have right. not. I have actually never once seen his show. I can't. I can't really. I I've heard he, things about him, but I can't really speak to anything on. I him. mean, he was involved in a big controversy uh, in New York that exploded a few months ago about uh, his behavior or alleged behavior at a restaurant. He gets barred. Apparently, he apologizes. Then he's let back in. And then he does another interview. And then he's rebarred because the apology wasn't sincere, according to the interview that Corden did about the whole Ferrari. But um, he's a, he divides opinion so much. Like, it, you, they either... If you... Like, carpool karaoke. That's some... 
that's some self-indulgent TV there, right? You know, that is him in a car singing songs back to the celebrities and the songwriters that wrote them. And it's crap. It's just, I, it makes me cringe so hard. And he's so sycophantic in his interviews. He hosted the Friends reunion and I, um, I had to stop watching so I could clean myself up because I was covered in vomit. Oh, he, oh my. He is just, I don't know. He's one of those guys, I don't know what his appeal is. Like, and Yanks, Americans love him. Love him. Don't understand it. I, I Do they? I don't know any. Oh, I think they do. No one in my circle. He's, he's a late night TV show that has, it's been on for five, six, seven years now at this point. Must be. It's um, off now, right? Wasn't the last episode, didn't it just happen? Oh, was it really? Uh, so. He's, I don't know. He's, anyway. He's, those carpool karaoke videos. I know. I'm just curious because just on the Harry Kane thing, like why why do people hate Harry Harry Kane? If anyone can let me know why they love or hate James Corden, I'd love I'd, I'd love to hear it because I just he makes my skin crawl. I cannot listen to him, whether it's his style. I, I'd like to think he's a lovely guy, but I think he might be evil. Sure. <laughs> well, anyway, that's that, our that's our Frank Lampard report. No, that's no, we're not. Doing I, it. I should say with with regards to Lampard. Um, I'm not done with Lampard. So I know, I know. I've got more too. I, I, my whole thing with Lampard. This, look, this is his first game in charge of a season that has spiraled horribly out of control for Chelsea. Maybe, I mean, yeah, you expect a little more than this. They're playing Wolves, who are by no means tearing things up. They only get one shot on target. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. But I also can't help but wonder, like, does any of this matter? Like, are nothing's happening with Chelsea in the Premier League? They've got a game coming up against Real Madrid in the Champions League. Are these Premier League games for them now until their Champions League run is over? Are these just glorified training sessions for Frank to try to get a feel of what he wants to do in the Champions League? I think that's kind of where we're at now. Uh, mm, I mean, they're, they're, Chelsea are literally bottom or second from bottom of the, of, the, of the league outside of the relegation campaign. That's basically where they are. There's Palace on 33 points. They have six points from them in Palace. My God, like if Chelsea had lost a few more games, they'd be in the relegation battle. It's just incredible. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, Andrew, like who's who's who can they catch? Like, yeah, maybe maybe they can't catch anyone. Maybe yeah, you're the, right. the, see, it, it's saying all... it doesn't matter, though. This is this is one of the biggest clubs in Europe. Like saying none of this matters is kind of crazy. Their season at this point will be defined only by what they do in the Champions League. Can I, like this can is ask... all, this is a disaster. This season okay. is 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 a historic disaster for them. But a deep Champions League run weirdly can salvage it. Can I um? Can I ask you what is a what is not quite what is a gentle version of throwing your players under the bus? Well, how would you describe not throwing them under a, a parked car? Like what's what's um, a, um, a gentle version of throwing guys under the bus? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. So can I that think be done gently. Yeah. Maybe it can't be done gently, but whatever it is, this is what Lampard did at the weekend. I was praying for him to, to just to push it onto the players and he didn't let me down. Well, <laughs> he, he was careful. Uh, this is from the Murr. Uh, let me see. In terms of the performance in the first half, I thought we were slightly off the pace. You could feel feel Wolves were aggressive, fighting for their Premier League status. I felt they had a little bit more aggression in their game. That's something I said to the players at half time. I think we corrected that slightly in the early parts of the second half. But at that point, you're one nil down. Lampard added, "We have been working here for one or two days, so it's not my fault. I've only had two days, and it's about getting an understanding of that and the mindset of the team. Like it's so, it's so subtle, but you know what he's doing. Just 
subtle sh- subtle shifting of blame. Subtle shifting of blame. Uh, we got go, to finish on Lampard again because I don't want this to be all James Corden and Lampard. But mm-hmm. um, Ashton Gardner sent us an email literally at ten twenty p.m. tonight, which gives us a, gives a flavor of how late we're recording. Yeah. Um, first of all, I've been a huge Chelsea fan for the last twenty years, and therefore a huge Frank Lampard fan too. However, I'm certainly able to separate my fan of Frank Lampard, the player, and Frank Lampard, the coach. Your comments on the last podcast regarding how he should wake up every morning, look in the mirror and tell himself how good his life is reminded me of the Seinfeld episode when Kramer goes to a fantasy camp and George references how Kramer's entire life is a fantasy camp. Uh, two of you are fantastic. And as always, I love the podcast. Uh, let's take a listen to uh, Kramer, Kramer Lampard talking about his fantasy life. Kramer goes to a fantasy camp. His whole life is a fantasy camp. <laughs> People should plunk down $2,000 to live like him for a week. <laughs> Do nothing, fall ass backwards in the money, mooch food off your neighbors and have sex without dating. That's a fantasy game. So that was, uh, sorry, that was George talking yeah. about Kramer's fantasy life, which is kind of true. Yeah. And that is the life led by Frank Lampard, the manager. Uh, there you go. I'll tell you what, let's go ahead. We'll take a break. When we come back, a couple other things we want to get to one MLS note, one U S women note. Uh, and then, um, one more Premier league note that we didn't get to in the first half of the podcast, but I, I don't want it to go unmentioned because it was something we talked a lot about on the last pod and holy, holy cow, uh, <laughs> did the animals respond to that thing? We'll get to all that and more on caught offside. Don't go anywhere. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Oh, back now. Caught offside. JJ, you know where I was last night? Um, In your house. No. For me, heaven. Where was that? That's right. Guster in concert. You saw, you, wait, you went to a live event. Yeah. Oh my God. Did you have a few beers? Sure did. Wow. I had a nice tall glass of alcohol. <laughs> You went to a concert with like, it was real so human fun. beings. It was so fun. It's got to be your first I, concert in how many years? Since COVID. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I've been to big events since COVID, but I just hadn't, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just hadn't gotten to a concert since. Guster. What's a Guster crowd like? Give us a vibe. Uh, picture me uh, a couple thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> An army of Andes <laughs> ready to do their willing. White. Jewish, suburban, um, kind of cool, but like kind of lame also. <laughs> That's you, kind of cool, but really, really yeah, quite lame. Yeah. Uh, right. Were they good? Were they? Uh, they they, they can't not be good. So they're incredible. They're just always awesome, and I will love them until the day that I die. It was so fun, and I was, so- and they're fifty now. Like seeing them is like getting in a time machine for me because, like. That's the the first concert that I went to. Like, you know, me and my friends, we got our driver's license. Like, our parents are all nervous because we're going to a concert. Like, I saw them when I was 16. Wow. And I've seen them, like, I don't know, 
30 times. I have no idea how many times. It's the only band left that I will always see. If they're on tour, okay, we're going. Like that's that's it. I've seen so many bands over the years. I used to go to concerts all the time and they they have just been the one that has withstood the test of time. And like it's funny because their stuff's not really on the radio at all. And and so but they have a huge following, but like it's hard for them to, I think, sometimes pick up new fans in this kind of like pop music world, which they right. are not a part of. And so they even referenced it last night on stage of just kind of like they've they've seen their fan base kind of grow in not in size, literally in age, <laughs> like grow in age. Like they made a joke last night saying like we under we know like don't worry we'll get you out here soon. We know how much babysitting rates are in this part of of the, oh, of wow. the suburbs. Like they know that like this is where their fan base is at now. Like they're a bunch of me's guys in like their mid to late thirties who have a couple of young kids now. Like it's it and it, oh man it was just uh it was the best and i was so glad to hear them say it one because they're 50 now which again it blows my mind i still think I'm of them as like it. young guys in their 20s but like they said they've still got so much music left in them which i was just like oh thank god and so yeah what a just made my whole week and i was looking forward to it for months and uh and there it was last night in port chester so great that's so cool man i'm glad because um there's nothing like seeing your favorite band and they, oh, and they yeah. kill it and it and it brings you back. A quick one. I a band I I don't know if this ever happens to you. Are you ever into a band for a while and then you stop listening for a long, long time? And then you're in a bar or a restaurant or or just walking down the street and you hear one of their songs and it sucks you back in. Sure. Happened to me with a band from Ohio called Cloud Nothings. Okay. And uh I heard a song that they they played. It's called Cut You. And <laughs> I was just, all right, I'm back. I'm back there. It's 10 years ago. It's it, like the year before I left for, for the States. And I was driving around listening to their song, Attack on, or their album, Attack on Memory. And oh my God, it's so, so good. And I started catching up with some of their more recent stuff. They're still brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And they're one of the bands that have, I guess they've got a good cult following but because they can keep afford to keep going, afford to sell records and they still get reviewed and played. But um, yeah, it was so cool, man. I love it anything it's amazing the way the brain works like sounds tastes smells suck you back to a different time a hundred percent it's yeah. so true music can i feel i like can do that in a way that almost nothing else can that if like you associate brain... you associate moments of your life with songs and bands and like it's it's cool it's if, it, i love it if we've got any brain people that listen to the podcast yeah i can ex explain that link between the parts of the brain because sometimes um Today, for a quick last thing on it, I, 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 I had a sip of my friend's cider today, and I hadn't drank cider in forever. He goes, you should try that. I have a sip of it. Mm. And I'm just immediately taken back like so many years to when I used to drink cider regularly. Oh, everything comes rushing towards me. And I want to know why that happens. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, I also want to know the part of the brain that associates hate with Harry Kane. So on on our last podcast, we we Ooh. referenced this thing that I've always kind of thought I hear, you know, from friends and things like that about how much they can't stand this guy, other guys who I work with. And it's it's snowballing and becoming a thing in my head. Those people really hate this guy. And then you referenced that it's not just a thing in my head. There is an actual article that has been published and written about it. And so we kind of. We talked about it on the last pod, and we put it out there. We said, animals, if you're listening, which we know you are, and we love you for it, um, tell us, why? Why do you hate this guy? Because to me, again, 
fully admit bias, huge bias on this one. I love him. One of my all-time favorite players, unquestionably. I can't see it, so I need outside help. JJ, I've never seen a response like this to anything we've ever done in the history of the show. It was an avalanche. We opened up. I'll say this. This has confirmed to me that this is, again, like the article from Dan Kilpatrick's kind of gave me some affirmation to my own thoughts. This has affirmed it tenfold. The number of posts on the Reddit page from the animals talking about all the reasons that they hate him is is pretty amazing to me. And it spans everything from essentially having a punchable face to his voice to things that he has done during games. There were there was the reference to the time when he uh he swore that he he made contact with the ball that I think it was Christian Erickson. Yeah. I think it played in that Kane tried to claim credit for people hated him for that people. Some people think that he does stuff that's a little bit dirty. Some yeah. of those things, though, like trying to claim the goal. He's a striker. Like, I don't know. Is that weird? But they think uh, he's like he's kind of overly aggressive in it. And then there's other people who are annoyed by the fact he scored so many penalties. Um, I'm like, remember, was it the 2018 so, World just, Cup? Uh, yeah, it's a weird. I don't know. I, I still I was reading through all these responses and and it's still. I still feel like people, for whatever reason, are searching for reasons to hate him. Like some of these things, I think, are are semi-commonplace to other great strikers. Yeah, they all take... The, the great strikers are the ones who take the penalties. They just right. do. And like, so is that a reason to hate him? You know, I don't know. Some of the stuff with people thinking he's a dirty player, I don't know that I, I see that all that much. I mean, this is all fresh in people's minds because they think what he did in the Decore coming together was reprehensible. Again, I don't. Decore hit him in the face, however light you think it was. Um like, I think you're all kind of choosing the wrong guy to to throw your venom at in that right. situation, but whatever. But I guess the overall point is, uh, yes, he is hated. That is my <laughs> ultimate takeaway here. He's hated. Yeah. Uh, there's no question. Um, I, 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 I would say, though, guys, um, just, and there wasn't that many people that said it, but his speaking voice, um, not his, it's not it, the way he speaks. That's not something people should be getting upset about or you should hate anybody over. It just isn't. I, I won't read out names here, but uh, just a couple. It's his face. It looks like the face of the actors they hire to play the jerk rival in Hollywood movies. Another one. Uh, I'm an Arsenal fan, so mostly that. I also just can't stand his face and how he talks. Um, mm. You know, there's there's a fair amount of those. I don't love that. I don't, I I don't, don't know. Is that... that is that a reason to hate someone? And I, I don't. I mean, I, and I acknowledge that sports hate is different than mm, regular hate. But the I voice do... stuff, though, is is I don't like that. There's lots of people who like he, he doesn't have the clearest speaking voice, um, and I can I, I can only imagine in school lots of people had lots of things to say about that, and uh, I would just I would feel for anyone in that case. I don't think that's enough to to hate someone or even sports hate them. And uh, as for his face, like I, I hate Bruno Fernandez's face. Only when it's contorted in some kind of upset over a perceived slight against him in a game. That's that's why I don't like it because it's always whining. I see it in its whining state. I don't look at him and think I hate that face. He's got a pro. This is another one. He's got a proper punchable face. I actually don't hate him, but if he was a loud egomaniac, you'd want to punch him in the face for sure. Response to that. This is why I'm annoyed by him as well. Only McGuire has a more punchable face in the Premier League. Um, 
people don't like his face. Yeah, people maybe. hate him. I mean, okay. <laughs> I don't know. And that's where we are. <laughs> that's where we are. Uh, let's see, JJ. A couple things that I wanted to mention before we get out here. Uh, U.S. women, a couple friendlies going on. One yes. coming up Tuesday. They just had another one over the weekend. The Republic of Ireland. Yeah. So it went well in terms of the score, 2-0 to the U.S., but that means little. And by little, I mean it doesn't matter. Um, and by doesn't matter, it means I'm devastated. Because Mallory Swanson was carted off with what has turned out to be a torn patella tendon. Ugh. It looked bad when it happened. She was carted off. She was clearly in pain. Teammates immediately signifying that someone that the medical staff needed to get out there and attend to her. Um, and it is not it is not good news. The Women's World Cup, of course, is in July. Uh, it's April 10th right now. Just crossed midnight. We just went into April 10th, JJ. Um, I don't. I don't think we're going to be seeing her at the World no. Cup. And that is, I mean, it's it's very, it's just sad. It's really, really sad um, for her because you just think about these players that have spent their lives kind of building up to certain moments and she's hitting her prime now. She's 24 years old and she's in the form of her life for this team. What's it been? Seven goals in five games in 2023. She had the the scoring streak of six consecutive games with a goal for the US. She's been just absolutely brilliant and vital and you just like just to put yourself in her headspace like it's probably the most fun she's ever had playing soccer. It's probably going on right now knowing that a World Cup is on the horizon and I'm in this form. This is just like a dream come true. And then it's just like that it's shattered. Can and I... you, you just feel sick for her. I feel absolutely sick. Um, she'll be 28 for the next World Cup. That's the only thing I'd say. She'll still oh, yeah. be in those good years. Of course. But um, but, I, but but there's no other way except to be absolutely devastated for her. And she's such a she's such a good player as well that it's um it's a blow, real blow to the, to the team. However, an interesting thing has opened up for somebody, namely Alyssa Thompson, who's the, uh, I'm reading from Yahoo, the 18-year-old winger who's taken the NWSL by storm. She's replaced Swanson on the current roster ahead of the second friendly against the Republic of Ireland. So, yeah, I mean, for every one of these moments, you know, for for someone else, it's an opportunity. And in this case, it it will be for Alyssa Thompson. We'll see what they do. I mean, in this game, Trinity Rodman came in and it moved Sophia Smith to the left. Uh, I know... Vladko Andonovsky talked about that, saying, you know, how Sophia, she, she can play over there on that side. He said uh, there's a good connection between Crystal, Dunn, Lindsay Horan, Rose Lavelle, and Soph on that side. Um, you know, Sophia Smith has versatility. She can play on the right. She can play on the left. So for more than more than anyone, it's probably an opportunity for her. Um, but it's just a it's it's just a huge blow for perhaps the U.S.'s most informed player to have this happen to them. Uh, so close in proximity to a World Cup, it's uh, it sucks. It absolutely sucks. But that's part of the sport. It's part of why depth is everything in uh, in soccer in in World Cup play. And the U.S. does have that, so okay. yeah. it, it hurts. But I, I still I still view them as a a major contender at this tournament. But you want to you know you want to have the best showing. You want to have your your best representation out there. And it's gonna I, you can't really say that now if she's not there. And for Vlako Andonovsky, like it's not been perfect the last few months. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of questions about where this team's at. And some of the performances, even the ones that were wins, have come under the microscope. Last thing he wants is losing a key player like that. Yeah. Now, on the bright side, they are working uh, Julia Ertz back into the uh, into the team after her extended absence. Um, 
and she made a uh, an appearance over the weekend. So that's that's a great sign. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, the the story the, from this was the shadow cast by this injury, and uh, so we'll see how they respond. They play the uh, they play Ireland again on Tuesday. Um, Double so, Ireland. Yeah. Um, finally, for me, just one last thing I wanted to mention yeah. on MLS JJ. Uh, so Dennis Boanga for LAFC. I talked about Darwin Nunez earlier. I feel like not that Darwin Nunez is looking towards MLS for some kind of hidden inspiration, but I feel like this is a direction where he could look because Boanga came to LAFC, a really promising player that was supposed to kind of do huge things for them. And it didn't happen. No. And it it didn't happen primarily because he, he just wasn't finishing opportunities, but he was getting opportunities. He was finding himself with loads and loads of chances he just wasn't converting and you could either you could look at it from any number of sides you could say this guy just doesn't have it whatever i thought he was going to be he ain't it or you could take more of the long view and say it's a good thing that this player is putting himself in opportunities to convert chances these are golden opportunities that he's getting at some point i'm going to have faith in our scouting department in the talent that i see in this player and i'm going to think that it's at a certain point there will be some sort of reversion to the mean. He's going to start converting some of these opportunities. Well, he has. Boy, has he. He's been brilliant for LAFC, both in MLS and in the CONCACAF Champions League. Had a hat trick over the weekend. Um, He's not just scoring goals. He's scoring great goals. Two volleys um, among his three goals over the weekend against Austin FC in that hat trick. Um, I'm not sure that I'm there quite yet in placing him above Tiago Almeida in my um, MVP ladder, but just the fact, given some of the frustration that fans had with him in the past, the fact that we're having this conversation about, uh, I'm not sure that he's the MVP right now. Like, oh, I think LAFC fans would have signed up for that before the season and he's doing it. Uh, and so we'll, you know, we'll see if he can continue this long term. but I think JJ, it does speak to something that we talk about a lot with MLS specifically for certain, I don't know why certain guys versus other guys, but for certain big players that come to this league, it just doesn't happen overnight. We've seen it time and time again where it takes some guys a season. Others can acclimate right away. I don't know why some do and some don't, but sometimes it takes guys a little bit of time. Maybe he's another example of, of a guy that it just took a little bit of time, and now it's clicking, and it's clicking in a huge way. Uh, and so props to him because there was frustration around him, and that is that has lifted. And so Darwin Nunez, if you're watching, uh, this is this could be your your trajectory. A guy who's getting opportunities, not converting them, but don't give up, don't ever give up. A man once said, um, because those opportunities for a guy of, of great skill level, which I believe Darwin Nunez has in him, uh, a lot of those opportunities will start to fall. And mm. by the way, that's happened this season. Like I know Nunez, like I know you said what you said earlier that he's just not going to be the guy. But like he, no, I, in, I, in the I, end, he's not his, polished enough. But like his season is actually, I know it started laughably, uh, but like, I think for the most part, he kind of settled in and and a lot of the jokes receded. He has scored goals, big goals. Um, So yeah, he's not polished yet. He's still very young, but he's not a player that I would give up on. No, it's not about giving up. I just, you've given up. Okay. I have. I know. Don't, I don't think he's the guy, but I'm also the guys that went before him were tough act to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, JJ, that's about all I got. What about you? 
That's all I have. Mm. That is it. I am spent. I'm a spent force. Been 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 struggling with my sleep lately, so I have. Um, yeah, I I don't know if anyone else. Oh, what can I do to help? Put the phone can... next to your ear. I will sing lightly. N- no, you don't have to sing. I've never okay. heard you sing. I don't want that to happen in my life. I think all you'd need to do is just if you were to bore me, like do a good mm. sleep soundtrack. It, you could just speak into a mic, no imaging, nothing. Just read off the Philadelphia 76ers results from 1986 okay. to the last time you had a season ticket. And just read them, read them all the way through slowly. And I think that would do it for me. I want to thank, uh, before I continue to complain about my insomnia, I want to thank the Reddit listeners, who the animals, who sent so many lovely messages. I haven't replied to all of them, but I'm going to try to about me and my general concerns about life, uh, life changes that may or may not be, that will be coming in some form uh, with the arrival of baby. Um, so I just, I just wanted to thank them for that. They were like powerful and detailed and, um, and helpful, genuinely helpful. And, uh, and thank you so much for giving me the, um, the gift of your of your experience that's beautiful that's beautiful well, that's very nice um, um but yeah i do need to sleep it's kind of important i gotta go well, here let sleep. me let me get started right now jj um october 31st 1986 76ers 108 indiana pacers 104 maurice cheeks 15 points charles barkley 31 points that'll do it Julius that will Irving, do it 18 points what a roster this is. <laughs> no no excitement in your voice. Don't get excited because then you might get into anecdotes about why these players were so good. I don't need that. Jeff Ruland, 12 points on six of seven shooting. That's good stuff. Okay. I have a friend who thinks I should do a, a like a, a sleep, some kind of sleep ASMR thing. I mean, we've talked about it on the podcast before. Like, What, a, what do you mean? Just talking to a mic. Read a oh, story. You, Oh, I think you you should be the one doing it, or you should be listening to it. Doing it, hmm, I don't know that that will help your sleep. Not my sleep, but like maybe I can make some money. But maybe I should do more voice work. Is what I'm. Is what wow. I'm. Wow, where, where, where is this head? Where are we going here? Yeah, I thought I we were know. talking about sleep. Now you're talking about making more money. <laughs> this is. <laughs> we should always be talking about that, Andrew. Come on, let's get out. Jesus. All right, all right. I'm trying to help you go to bed here. I'll, I'll pull up the next score. All right. Leave your phone on. I'll call you in a little bit. <laughs> hey, this was fun, man. To you, I say... Check you later, phone boy. I'll see you. Take care, pal. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 